My name is Shandy Chernow, and you're listening to the Shandyland Podcast. Today, I have somebody different than our normal guest, which is great. I love talking about new things. Today, we've got Mandy Hines, who is a regional admissions counselor at Johnson & Wales University. All of the people who listen to this having anything to do with the restaurant industry will obviously know Johnson & Wales. Such an amazing culinary program, but not just that. And Mandy is here to talk to us all about those things. Also, we have in common ProStart, which everybody knows is one of my absolute favorite topics. So uh, we got lots of good conversation. Mandy, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. I'm excited to talk to you. Oh, Shandy, it's my absolute pleasure. I've been looking forward to this today. So thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for being here. So how did you get going in the restaurant industry? Why? Why is this a passion point for you? You have literally done everything in a bag of chips around the restaurant industry. Why do you like it so much? And how did that, how did that start for you? Well, it, that, that's a great question, actually. And when I've reflected over my career, to think I've been working for almost 30 years seems kind of wild. So originally, I just wanted to be a teacher. I was going to teach what we all called home economics. It's not called that anymore. It's called family and consumer science. But I got a degree in um, home economics and I began teaching high school foods and nutrition. Now, of course, it's called culinary arts and pro start and hospitality and all these incredible words in our industry. I have taught about 10 years, but I also spent about 16 years in the direct selling business as a director with a pampered chef. So I was still teaching food. I was just now teaching in people's kitchens. Um, and direct selling gets a little bit of a bad rap. But I was a high achiever and earned a lot of incredible vacations and a lot of great tools in my own kitchen. And through that process, really grabbed hold to some culinary techniques um, through the training that Pampered Chef provided. My, you know, my favorite Pampered Chef thing, and I've got a couple of stuff of theirs, but it's a can opener, but it goes on the top, not on the side. That's right. And it's great. You know, nobody cuts their fingers, but also nobody but me can open a can on the True. first try. Because they're trying to put it on the side and it's a point of entertainment for me every time. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little <laughs> challenging. You kind of lay it on the top yeah. and then you crank. And then there's this little bird beak on the side that kind of grabs mm. the lip and, and lifts up. If but you it's only, funny to watch other people try to figure that out. Shandy, if you only knew how many calls <laughs> I got during the dinner hour from customers on how to use the can opener. I bet. Um, but, but that was 16 years of my life yeah. um, that I, I really loved. I did spend three years at the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. So I went from the classroom to direct selling back to the classroom. And that it was during that time that culinary arts really had evolved in high schools. And I went to work for the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association as the hospitality education director. So I began really working with restaurant partners, hoteliers, uh, some of our great suppliers and, and partners through sponsorships like Ecolab and mm -hmm. um, Cisco and U.S. Foods and such. After I left NCRLA, I joined Johnson & Wales University. Um, and it's amazing because we are known for our College of Food Innovation and Technology. So really throughout the past 10 years of my career, whether I was at NCRLA or Johnson & Wales, I'm still working with many of the same partners and entities, which has been, been really, really cool. Yeah, no doubt. I, I love everything ProStart, right? I mean, it is just the coolest program. I remember the very, very first year that we judged the Arizona competition. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I was getting into, right? 
no clue. And the stuff that these kids put out is just unreal. They are so talented at such a young age. It's insane. I mean, so cool. So cool to see. A lot of those students do choose to to come to Johnson and Wales or Mm -hmm. some of the other culinary schools around the country, like Culinary Institute of America, um, or their local community colleges where they start. I kind of went into pro start kicking and screaming. Um, I was teaching at the time uh, in a high school west of of Winston-Salem in North Carolina. And I, at the time, was tapped as the pro start educator. And I said, okay, well, I'll do this, but I am not competing. (laughs) I hate those words. And um, Good luck with that. Right. They pushed me into it, but I'm so thankful I did because that year I had a team of four. They competed in restaurant management. And I was just so proud. We came in second in North Carolina's event. We, at the time, we were still the Carolinas Pro Start Invitational. So shout out to to Douglas and the team in South Carolina for letting that combined event occur. But I I got bit by the bug at that point. And I am, Shandy, I'm a competitor at heart. Mm So I started watching and documenting and attending events to really help my teams get stronger and stronger. And then the next year, Golden Corral, our incredible partners in North Carolina, um, came- And and ProStart nationally too. I mean, they do a lot. Absolutely. They do a ton for the program. Uh, Lance Trenary is one of the biggest champions of Mm -hmm. ProStart. And we had our own event in North Carolina at the um, Durham Convention Center. And my culinary team came in first. We got to go to nationals for the first time back in- when was that? 2014, I guess. And I haven't looked back. Haven't missed a, a live Nipsey since since then, whether I was That's a teacher awesome. or a coordinator or now as a judge, which mm-hmm. is how I got connected with you. A big, big fan of ProStart. Love it. My, my one wish for ProStart, and I'm just putting this out there in the universe, which I have absolutely done before, is that every team, at least who goes to nationals or all the teams who compete together in the States have the same budget. To work with. You know what? I have friends that will probably be listening to this podcast. I find, yeah, when I went to, at least on the culinary side, I don't know how much of a difference it makes on the management side, but when you're walking the floor on the culinary side, as a fully grown adult who runs budgets, right, you can absolutely tell what the funding levels of each team is. And it ends up, you know, that the teams who place higher tend to be the more well-funded ones. And I'd really love to see what the less well-funded ones could do with the same amount of money. You know, I just, it's my one wish to change if we could change anything about it, but it is the most amazing program and just such a cool experience. I think the other thing too, that happens at the, at the national level is many of those schools who consistently perform in the top 10, Mm -hmm. they often have really strong mentors. Totally. So you're working with executive chefs in their in their towns, in their communities. Mm-hmm. So they often have donations of ingredients. They yep. have that expertise. And then what I've also seen is once a team gets to nationals, it's kind of hard to overthrow them at the state level. So they just keep getting better and better. And so the new kid on the block, it's their first time at nationals. They're, they're kind of the underdog because totally. they, they may not have the budget for sure, like you mentioned, but they also just don't have that experience uh, to help them continue to get better and better. 
Yeah, it's it's the one thing that if if I were in charge, which I'm not, but if I were, it would be the one shift I would make, and everything else about it is darn near perfect. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing. It, if it, listeners, if you have no idea what we're talking about, go to Instagram and look at Nipsey N P S I National Pro Start Invitational. Uh, look at that as a hashtag, and you will see the most amazing food you have ever seen coming out of high school students. It is crazy town in a good way. Yeah. And, and another thing too, any partners that are out there, restaurateurs, hoteliers, other people in the hospitality industry, if this is a new idea that Shandy and I are talking about, you can go to nraef.org and there's information there about how to get involved with ProStart. Yeah. Many schools like Johnson and Wales um, are supporters of this program because we know that these students are really our nation's best and brightest. So that's why Johnson & Wales stays involved. Um, but but that was just a little plug if, if people yeah. want to know more. And that's National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation, NRAEF. So talk to me about Johnson & Wales and the culinary program. I mean, it's the, the who's who, if you will, you know, walking around um, National Restaurant Association show, which just ended. Um, and any of the pro start stuff, it's Johnson and Wales, chef ed- educators everywhere. And they're amazing. Well, I appreciate the, the compliment. I feel the exact same way. Our faculty are some of my favorite people on the planet to work with. Um, so at Johnson and Wales University, we have, we don't just teach culinary arts, which is a lot of skills, right? We do teach, mm-hmm. them, but it falls under the umbrella of our College of Food Innovation and Technology. So whether a student wants to pursue um, sustainable food systems, applied food science, food and beverage, entrepreneurship, beverage sales and marketing, anything under the food umbrella, they start off on a culinary or baking and pastry path. And then they not only earn that associate's degree for the first two years, but then they continue on to their bachelor's degree with many other um, advanced degrees available through our College of Online Professional Studies. Yeah, and there's a ton of other majors available at Johnson and Wales as well, right? Yeah. Not just the—I mean, I—I I know it for the culinary stuff because, well, restaurant industry, right? But right. Um, yeah. there's a ton of other majors also. Yeah, absolutely. So we have about eighty-ish. I say ish because you know that number is changing as we adapt to trends that we see in the industry. So we have about eighty programs. Um, everything from accounting to engineering to robotics engineering to um, psychology with accelerated programs in mental health counseling. And then, of course, we have all of the disciplines related to our hospitality industry, whether it's um, sports, entertainment and event management, marketing, uh, digital media and communications, a lot of things for students to choose from and to campuses. So, our Providence campus is significantly larger, about 5,700 students. Wow. Charlotte um, has about 1,500 students, but it gives kids flexibility, whether they want to be up north or come down south or spend time in both places. That's pretty amazing. So you're on the admission side. Uh-huh. How does that work? Talk to me. Is that like, I saw admissions and I was like, ooh, because you know, I've got kids who are way too, be, way too young to be talking about admissions for college, but Tell me about admissions specifically on the, the okay, I'm going to screw it up, the food and technology program sure. no. and at Johnson & Wales. And also, I want to talk kind of more generically about college admissions, too, since I've got you captive here. All right. Sure thing. <laughs> so at Johnson & Wales, obviously, we're like every other four-year university where you complete an application 
and you send in your high school transcript. I think when we look at the students at Johnson & Wales, many of our students, specifically in the College of Food Innovation and Technology. Innovation, are, that's what I was missing. Right. They are strong kinesthetic learners. They're passionate about working with their hands. So when we evaluate students um, in all of our disciplines, but specifically in CFIT, we're looking for students who have lots of potential and drive to succeed. Um, they're typically not your student that's in the AP race, which as a, as a mom, you may know what that means. There are a lot of students who are just trying to take as many AP classes as they can. Um, there's no judgment in that statement, but the students that we're looking for are a little bit more well-rounded um, with everything that they have to offer. Now, lots of schools have been in this post-COVID world about, are we test optional? Do we require an essay? All those just extras. Johnson & Wales consistently just wants two things from students, a solid application and your transcript. And it's easy to do through our website, but we also participate in a program with many other colleges called the Common App. Mm -hmm. And it's just like it sounds, where the student selects all the schools they want to apply to, and then they have to answer questions related to that specific school. So it's just real, it's kind of a monster of an application, but they're doing it all at one time. Quite frankly, I think Johnson & Wales has it figured out. Our application is, is relatively straightforward without a bunch of essay questions and prompts for students. Yeah, I mean, it's gotta be so hard to go through the admissions process from your side. I mean, even just like in hiring and business, you, have, you can think that a resume is good, then you talk to the person and no, and you can think that a resume is bad and you talk to a person and they're amazing. It's, it's very difficult, I think, to, to judge a person's potential for success on paper or digital. Right. Uh, so, so how do you do that? How do you sort through what's really just a good application versus what's really going to be a good student? I shouldn't say what, I should say who. No, that's, that's a great question. Now, I am not a reader. So we have people at Johnson & Wales that actually are assigned to read applications. And yeah. I'm not one of those people. So what I'm going to share is from my own experience and talking to other you know, admissions counselors at other universities. And from a Johnson & Wales perspective, in the application, you're putting down your clubs and activities. Uh, we ask about work experiences, especially the student that's applying for the College of Food Innovation and Technology. I mean, if they have experiences working in the industry, they have experiences working with people, they have experiences in their, um, they're doing some fundraising through their culinary programs at their high school. Those are all really valuable. And, and they may not have the highest GPA if they're in their graduating class, but you see all of these other incredible experiences that they have. Yeah, that's really um, cool. Yeah, we do not require interviews. There are some schools that do require interviews. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's just not us. We do accept uh, letters of recommendation, you know, that are going to come from teachers. I think in my, my perspective, the reason that we don't take essay questions is because oftentimes the essay has been critiqued and maybe even written by someone else. And it's not truly a reflection of that person. Of the, yeah. Of who that student is. Now, if we have students in pro start programs across the country, um, DECA, FBLA programs, um, HOSA programs, that's health science, um, health occupations. We want those students. Yeah. Because we offer the programs that really support those career pathways. So those are big green lights for us. 
on the applications. So in terms of what you're looking for, that's really cool to know. Yeah. So, so advice for people who are interested in coming into the College of uh, Food Innovation and Technology, if you have those options available at your school or in your area, go forth. Absolutely. That's what you want to do. Absolutely. I think it's really imperative that students through high school experiment with some different things. My, for example, my daughter thought she was going to be a trauma nurse and she had the opportunity at our high school to get her um, certified nursing assistant. And it was through that process that she realized, and she was also working, by the way, at, at some restaurants in our community. She liked helping people, but didn't really, I mean, she cleaned up in a restaurant, but it's different in a nursing facility. Yeah. So she realized that's Very. not, yeah. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. We won't go too into the details of what you're cleaning. Yeah. Um, but she, you know, she decided that wasn't for her. My son experimented with a lot of the business and DECA related programs and decided that was kind of a direction he wanted to go. I think culinary, um, anything related to public speaking that you have an opportunity to take in high school, I think those are great things for kids to dabble in so that you can really decide if you wanna do it at the college level and beyond. Because in, in the hospitality industry, you know this Shandy as well as I do, it takes somebody that's going to work hard, be persistent, um, really have a drive and a, like a fire in their belly, right? And so if they don't get a chance to experiment while they're in high school, they may get to college and then be like, whoa, this isn't what I thought. Now, I will tell you as a parent, um, at Johnson & Wales, we start students in their major right away. So our culinary students, our baking and pastry students, along with accounting and psychology, yeah. they all start in their major that first semester. Many four-year universities don't do that. They follow the traditional, declare your major after two years, you know. Well, the kids, students don't really know after two years if it's what they want to do because they haven't had a chance to experiment. So yeah, we, we started ours right away also. <laughs> yeah, so. I, it's imperative. I mean, you want to save money. You want to graduate on time. You want to have opportunities for internships and all of our students in the College of Food Innovation and Technology do at least one and often two internships, which will really help to shape where they land. That's really cool. If you don't have a pro start or equivalent type of program locally to you, what are the types of experience? I mean, outside the obvious working in a restaurant, something along those lines, right. what are the types of things that people can do to, um, you know, ensure to you guys that they look on their application like they really want to be in the culinary world? It's a great, that, that's really a great question. And I think that the sky is the limit with what students come up with. Um, and keep in mind that culinary world is so big. Totally right? big. I mean, you think about students that go into entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and they started off selling, doing lemonade stands when they were six, you know? Exactly. Just, that's culinary world, isn't it? Right, it's culinary mm -hmm. world. Um, but for the student who doesn't have a pro start or culinary program in their school or at the local um, career center or vocational center, oftentimes communities are going to that kind of a setup. I recommend getting involved in something like Girl Scouts um, or some other kind of a civic organization. Uh, students can also get involved in their churches. Many churches do some meal preparation for grieving families or Wednesday night kinds of suppers here in the South. Wednesday night supper is a big deal. Um, you or maybe might, like food pantry type of volunteering. Absolutely. Like food pantry volunteering is a great idea. And 
like you said, working in the restaurant industry is pretty obvious, but students might also be able to find work at their grocery store. Mm. Um, they can't operate some of that equipment, uh, depending on their age. There are some, some, you know, issues with that, but, or a nursing facility or some sort of a senior living community where again, you're engaging with people, but there's, you're touching food oftentimes, um, in those dining environments. So I don't know if that helps or not, but yeah, totally. Uh, so let's talk about kind of the other side of college admissions. Okay. Advice on financial aid for students. Should someone who can't afford to pay for Johnson & Wales even think about applying? Here's a silver platter for you on that one. Uh, yeah, well, the answer <laughs> to that is go ahead and apply yep. uh, because you just don't know. With yep. financial aid, I like to say is kind of a marathon. The beginning of a student's senior year, which by the way, to all the parents out there, don't wait until fall of senior year to start visiting schools. You can visit schools in the ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, and it will actually help you to eliminate things that you don't like or, or hone into what you do like. Um, so the senior year, when you're filling in those applications, you have no idea how much financial aid your family's gonna get. You don't know how much scholarship money you're gonna get. You don't know how much grant money you're gonna get. You, you really don't know. So I always tell students to shoot for the moon. As you get into October, October 1 of your student senior year, the FAFSA will open. FAFSA is, you can go to studentaid.gov. And I, I'm under the impression over the next few years, FAFSA is gonna kind of evolve a little. So I won't talk too much about what the website looks like, but it's a form that admissions and financial aid offices look at to see what kind of help you need. So that's October. And we still aren't making decisions yet, right? Scholarships are ripe for application about December, January, February. That's when your students seem to be looking and applying. My understanding is that there are so many more scholarships out there than people have any idea that exists. Any idea that exists. Absolutely. I, we actually started Johnson & Wales this year providing a resource for students called Scholarship Universe. It's a match program. So let's pretend that Bob applied to Johnson & Wales and Bob gets accepted and Bob gets merit scholarships, private schools award merit scholarships. So mm -hmm. Bob's going to get $24,000 in merit award. That's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. And then what Johnson & Wales does is we go ahead and provide Bob with a link and an account at Scholarship Universe. So Bob will be able to create a profile. You know, he, he lives in... Timbuktu and he is a 4.0 student and he um, is a graduating senior. So Bob builds a profile and then Scholarship Universe matches things up. That so is super cool. Oh, it's way cool because if you don't have a program like Scholarship Universe, students are just henpecking. I, I can tell you though, the saddest part about the, the scholarship process to me I said when it's right and when you should apply because scholarships are announced typically in April or May. The saddest thing is when a student calls me in, in June or July and says, Miss Mandy, I really want to come to Johnson & Wales. Where are the scholarships? And the money is gone. That to me is, is really disheartening. So parents should take a very proactive approach. Um, and thinking of food, there are many restaurants that offer tuition assistance and scholarship programs. Um, I have read, I don't have experience with this, but I've read that Chipotle um, has one of the most aggressive scholarship programs. I know Chick-fil-A has a scholarship program. And then restaurant associations 
like NCRLA. Um, I judge their scholarship yeah. applications. Yeah. So that's a great place to look too, because those are designed for students going into the hospitality industry. And as long as we're talking about admissions and, and scholarships and that yeah. happened to have come up, here's my random unsolicited advice for people <laughs> filling out scholarship applications. <laughs> Answer the question they asked you. Don't copy and paste from some other essay that you gave to somebody else, please. Okay, rant over. There you go. No, it's absolutely <laughs> true. And the other thing I would give as a piece of advice, because I've also judged scholarship applications in the past, don't, if the scholarship does not apply to you, don't apply. Mm -hmm. For example, if the scholarship is only for females and you're, you're a male, the, and you you say you're a male, okay, then the scholarship's not going to apply. If you're applying for a scholarship, um, you have a different cultural background. There are scholarships out there for that. And you don't fit, don't apply. Because you're wasting the time of the evaluator. Amen. Um, and yep. read the directions. Hello, that's an Amen. easy one. Just read the directions. I have read some great essay answers mm -hmm. in these applications, but they're not answering the question that was asked. Absolutely. And they're well-written and they're interesting and they're informative and you really want to give this kid points. Yeah. But they didn't answer the question. It's very difficult. You're absolutely right. And, and crazy. At Johnson & Wales, we have a few scholarships um, that are outside of the academic awards that students get when they get accepted. But those are things that we decide to award. We don't require extra applications for those scholarships. They're just something That's that we cool. give out. That's so. awesome. All right. I'm going to go back away from admission stuff, even though it's super fascinating and interesting for me. And it's easy to talk about. It is you know, easy to I do talk. all day. So informative. <laughs> all right. What is your favorite ever pro start moment? Okay. I have a few, but I will land on one from 2018. My favorite ever pro start moment was when I was the uh, coordinator at the North Carolina Restaurant and Lodging Association. And I had been working very hard with our students from North Buncombe High School. They were our management team and they placed second in the nation. Going up on stage with the educator, Amy White, and her four team uh, members and myself was amazing. It was an adrenaline rush. All of the hard work and coaching that she, our mentors, myself, we had poured into these students and they executed just unbelievably. I still have the picture from all of us on the platform um, in my office. It really was probably the highlight of my, of my pro start time. That's awesome. I love it. And then you have been around the industry for a while, you know, kind of dancing around in different areas. How, do, how has it changed over the years? What, what strikes you and where do you think it's going next? It's wild to think about changes. I, I was in preparation, kind of thinking through changes I've seen. And when I first started teaching, we still had the four food groups. Like I remember buying this new thing called the food pyramid to go on my bulletin board. That's, you know, that's wackadoo because now we have the my plate, you know, that, that mm -hmm. people are teaching. Serve safe was not a thing or else. I, I slept through the lecture when I was in college because I, I didn't know what that was. When I came back to the classroom in 2009, 2010, I was like, whoa, what's, what's the surf safe? What's the red bucket? What's the green bucket? What am I supposed to do with the buckets? <laughs> um, my friends at Ecolab, if they're listening, they'll find that really funny. But I, I remember thinking I must have probably killed people because I just poured a bunch of leech in there and you know went, went for it. 
Call it a day. Um, yeah, <laughs> those are some changes I've seen. I think as an industry, having worked in the classroom, having worked for the association, and now working for a university where food is one of our premier, you know, globally famous programs, I think that um, probably one of the biggest changes is the the people who are helping influence student decisions may not be as supportive of the industry as they once were because they don't see the pathways. Wages start, well, they start higher now than they used to start. Um, if you worked in the restaurant industry as a, as a, you know, a host, when you were like in college, people that are my age know that those were like pennies on the dollar. Mm -hmm. But even still, there are a lot of parents and I talked to a ton of kids, ton of students. And there are many parents that think a student pursuing a career in this industry isn't valuable. And they're not looking at the, at the long game. They're looking at the short game. Um, the opportunities for students really, I think, are greater now than they've ever been before. Whether they, they own their own restaurant or their own concept. Let's use the word concept because I think there's more. Fine dining is kind of a thing of the mm -hmm. past. I mean, I still love a really good meal at Ruth Chris. But the vast majority of students are leaning towards quick casual concepts. Or even, I mean, there's a ton of places that one wouldn't consider a restaurant per se that you can accomplish the task of buying and eating a meal that someone has cooked for you. Absolutely. And there's I, a I, lot. I just don't think parents see, or the, unless they decision makers, because it's not the culinary educators. It's the guidance counselors. Mm -hmm. It's the parents. It's the grandmas and grandpas who say things like, what are you going to do, flip burgers the rest of your life? And that's just not, that's just not an accurate picture of all the opportunities, whether a student wants to um, go into beverage sales. I've got some great <laughs> friends at PepsiCo, uh, PBV, Pepsi Bottling Ventures in, in North Carolina, who are really successful in that line of work. Or they want to go into applied food science and they want to develop new food product. Or the local sourcing, where we're looking at sustainable food systems um, students that might want to take their love of food and go into marketing and work for some of these humongous brands. I think that I've seen more decision makers, not as supportive. Yeah. That's really interesting to think about. Cause I can totally see that, but having just returned from the national restaurant show, I mean, it, in non COVID pandemic affected years, it's a hundred thousand people, not in the industry at this show. And each of these major corporations is only sending a, you know, tiny fraction of their employees and executives to these shows. And it is just an unfathomably large industry with every conceivable job on the planet. And what a great way to get in there, but to go to um, Johnson and Wales or one of the other, you know, uh, culinary hospitality management type of programs. Um, all right. So tell everybody how they can find Johnson and Wales and you and connect online. Perfect. So Johnson and Wales, really easy to find on our website, jwu.edu. Uh, when you there go you to go. that website, you can find everything you want to know about our programs, visiting one of our campuses. Um, you know, if you're looking to advance your degree, we've got um, a link there that will take you to our online programs for some of our master's and advanced degree programs. I am on LinkedIn, pretty simply Mandy Hines, if you want to connect with me there. Um, my email address is real easy too. It's just mandy.hines 
at jwu.edu. And it's Heinz spelled like Duncan, not the ketchup. <laughs> the cake mix, it's not the sauce. So it's H-I-N-E-S. People, now that I've said it, Shandy, you'll never forget it either. It's no, I love I like it. It's so funny. And both, you know, restaurant related. Right. I, I told you I was destined. It's destiny. Um, and I was dill before I got married. So, you know, you got the herb or the pickle. Um, and my husband, destined. his first name is Dean. And so you got the Jimmy Dean sausage. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's food is all around me. I just can't get away from it. It's everywhere. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm interested to hear what your two truths and a lie are and to see if they are restaurant themed. Of course they are food. <laughs> All right. So, so here we go. So I have a master's degree in culinary nutrition. Um, the only herb I can grow successfully is basil. <laughs> and my favorite concept to teach when I was in the classroom was how to make pie crust. That's a lesson I could use because I don't know how to do it. I buy my pie crust and that's going to be on my future two truths and a lie list. Mandy, thank you so much for being here. This was awesome. So informative. So great. I love everything that you're doing. Thank you for all your uh, support of ProStart over the years. And uh, I'm sure that uh, we will be talking again. Everybody, thank you so much for sticking around. And uh, this has been the Shandyland podcast. We will talk to you soon. (laughs) 